You're listening to Becoming CEO, where we share our journeys as solo founders to becoming the CEO of seven-figure businesses. And these are our behind-the-scenes conversations as we figure it out. And these are things that most people just aren't sharing. So you only want a piece of your team member's time. You don't want the whole thing? Depends on how good the pizza is. You know? <laughs> so, so last episode, we, yeah, uh, we made this comment about, um, I think I, I made the comment about when we were talking about hiring leaders and, and filling out kind of management structure. I made the comment about how at this stage, like, I don't even know, like 95% of my team out of 20 people, well, that's not true. Okay. A good chunk of my team is, is a, on a part-time contractor basis. Probably half, if I had to just guesstimate off so, the top of my head. So of 20 people-ish, about 10-ish are part-time-ish? Or is it even, yeah. like, would you... Okay. So are pi- part-time, part-time yeah. slash contractor, mm-hmm. are they all over the world, the globe, are they all in Canada? No, yeah, pretty, pretty spread out geographically. And I mean, um, mostly North America. Yeah. Um, and so you said, um, well, so would you consider that fractional just for like a term that we can use moving forward or like, because you can obviously be paid, you could be part time, but still like a salaried employee. We're talking about these are actually not. We're not talking part-time employees. We're talking they're a contractor. No. They have other contract other workers. Yeah, a contractor fractional. I think those are both. I use those terms synonymously. Fractional. I think typically tends to refer to somebody in a leadership role, like a fractional CMO or a fractional leader. Right. Um, I'm more referring to fractional doers, like implementers, tacticians. Cool. In other and words, so, contractors. And. So yeah, that's how we ended last episode. You said you were in a season where you it's not as important to you uh to have people that are uh you know, full time and you have the whole thing. You just need a you just need a piece. So um that begs the question for me. It that sounds like you changed how you thought about this previously. So when, how long ago was it that you were like, all right, I want everyone bought into this whole vision and I want them on full time. I don't want them working with anybody else because if they're working, if they're not waking up thinking about my business, then they might as well not be here. <laughs> like, was that, yeah. was that the tone that you had? Well, and I reserve, I reserve the right to change my mind on this again. 100%. But I, uh, there was definitely a period where my bias was, Hire full time, hire full time, hire full time. Like get get as many people into full time employment arrangements as possible. And the the logic behind that was stability and commitment. And if I'm being really honest, control. Like that's that's my person now. They're in my organization. I have a certain amount of leverage. Like I pay your salary. I hope they're not listening, right? And I'm not saying it was all about this, right? But right. if we're being honest, it's part of it. Like I pay your salary. 
And so there's a level of commitment that comes with that. I know you're not going to disappear. You're reliant upon the salary to pay your bills. And so there's a amount of control that comes with that. There's also stability. Mm -hmm. People don't come in and out of employment agreements very easily. There's stipulations in there in terms of how much notice you can provide either or like, you know, either way between the employer and the employee. And, you know, if you're going to sign an employment arrangement uh, contract, then you're, you're pretty committed, right? Like most people don't do that willy nilly. They're probably going to dedicate at least a year, if not more of their um, career to the gig, right? So that was the logic and it, it would be my bias. I would, I would try to get people into an employment arrangement and we may like start as a contractor. That's usually what we did in most cases, but we try to get to an employment arrangement pretty quickly. What I found was we just went too aggressive with that. I mean, there was a point where, I mean, this, these are not big numbers, but there was a point where we had probably six or seven full-time employees. Um, and, and, a whole bunch more full-time contractors. Like our, our sales team is all contractors, but they're full-time. Mm -hmm. And then a whole bunch more part-time contractors versus today we only have two full-time employees. So we went back the other way. What I found with the employee just relationships. To, wait, just to be clear, that is you and your operations person. Yeah. Carrie. Yeah. As of the time of this recording could be different by the time you listen to this, but yeah, today that there's two full-time employees. That's how fast he moves folks. <laughs> yeah, everybody else is either a full-time contractor, like i.e. the sales team. That's that's ten people right there, right? Uh, or uh, or a part-time contractor. Mm -hmm. What I found was we got ourselves into pretty rigid relationships unnecessarily. Mm, and, elaborate. Well, an employment contract's hard to move, and you're kind of kind of stuck with that person to a certain extent. Again, there's ways out of it, but you don't just back out of an employment contract willy nilly. There's <laughs> labor laws, which are, you know, certainly different in Canada than the U S I don't necessarily know the differences, but it's a pretty sensitive thing here to terminate. Um, and there's a, a longer story here that maybe we get into. I've got some serious trauma. I don't even know if you know the story. Do you want me to tell it right now? I mean, you can't just say about that me, and not, about, not tell this story. <laughs> do you know the story about me getting sued for $130,000 no. for terminating somebody? No, All right. but so I'm, pretty sure this is the, this, I'm pretty sure this is no longer called I want a piece of you and about you getting sued for $130,000. That's the title of this <laughs> yeah, episode. This, it's probably a whole other, whole other thing, but it's relevant because it's where I have my um, cautiousness about this. So cautionary tale. I hired a contractor and... She was a contractor. Like it, the, the agreement was very clear. She was doing like five to 10 hours of work and on a contract basis, it was super clear. I am also one of my flaws, which is probably another topic. Maybe the next one is too much loyalty and um, giving people more leeway than they necessarily deserve. And so I wasn't terribly satisfied with this relationship. And I let it go on for longer than I should have. And ultimately I pulled the plug, but it was, you know, it was, it was too late. And by then a lot of emotions got in the way and the person in question, their ego couldn't tolerate the fact that I wanted to sever ties. Um, 
I was fully within my contractual rights to do so. I even paid her for a month unnecessarily. You don't need to do that for a contractor. I paid a month mm -hmm. out unnecessarily just to ease the blow. Um, long story short, she turns around, hires a lawyer, sues me for $130,000, claiming that she was in fact a full-time employee and that she's due severance and nine months worth of wrongful dismissal was part of it. And then nine months worth of severance is the other part of it, totaling $130,000 in damages. And I paid, the whole thing was settled, but it cost me 50 grand between settlement and legal fees. How's that for a cautionary tale? Yeah. Dang. So everybody learn from that lesson. <laughs> learn from that lesson. So, but it wasn't, what, how long ago was that? It was a couple of years ago. Okay. So the, it took, it took a year to settle. So that happened a couple yeah. of years ago. We yeah. settled like a year ago, give or take. So not to completely pivot off that topic. Cause I feel like there should be more questions there, but the, <laughs> the, the, uh, it sounds like the, your tune of, Hey, I need you to be full time you know, ha has changed. Like, so outside, outside of an event like that, um, is there any other things that were kind of coming into play that kind of had you reassess how you're building your team, um, with, you know, some part-time and fractional people, fractional doers yeah. versus trying to have everyone full-time on board. Yeah. So this kind of ties into the episode that we did on when people leave. So, cause I think the, the, the learning here came after some of those employees left mm. and, and there's three in particular I'm thinking about two left on their own accord. And the third, we kind of like mutually agreed that it wasn't working out and you know, they also left. Mm -hmm. And in the aftermath of those full-time employees who were on payroll leaving in each of the above scenarios, we asked ourselves, do we need another employee or is there another way to fulfill this function? And what we realized in each of those cases was we treated that person and that role, that full-time employment role as a given that mm -hmm. we just have somebody in that role and it's a full-time job and that's what they do. And we ended up creating a bunch of work that wasn't necessarily required, essential, integral mm -hmm. to the running of the operation because we had somebody in a full-time role who needed to keep busy for 40 hours a week. Right. So a lot of stuff was, like, I'll give you an example. One of those people um, was our marketing manager. Now, this person, I have a tremendous amount of respect for. She was a fantastic member of the team. You met her. She's really, really bright. And she did so much great work for us on the marketing team. She left. It was not my choice. I would have chose to keep her. But she got a massive pay raise and used her experience with us to catapult into a more senior role. And she's the most senior marketer at her company now. And I'm really happy for her. And it's fantastic. Right? But we didn't replace her. And it's been three months and we're okay. And Miriam, if you're listening, we still love you. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Okay. 
I, I only or knew okay. you for, I only knew you for moments, but but I did love you as well. Yeah, <laughs> she's great, right? But but we're okay. We, we don't. What we realize is that we didn't necessarily need somebody full time in that role. There are absolutely things right now that are not moving forward because she's not around anymore. But I'm looking at other more creative ways of fulfilling those needs, such as hiring contractors on a project basis, instead of bringing on the overhead commitment of a full-time employee and the permanency of a full-time employee. Yeah, this is interesting. So um, I love that, by the way, and I need to take that page out of your book and put it into my book. Um, I just heard, and I know I mentioned them all the freaking time, but um, I'm in a mastermind where Layla Hormozzi kind of did like a 90-minute deep dive on leadership. And, you know, one of the takeaways was um, they went, like when they had gym launch before they sold it, they had like, they had a hundred and, they had a point where there was like 160 people something like that and they went and cleaned house so to speak and they ended up with 70 more top level people that were able to produce more results than the 160 that they had so like they went from 70 people for 160 down to 70 but output went up because the whole the whole takeaway of that conversation was I'd rather pay more to fewer, more talented people, um, than, you know, have more people that are less talented. But there was a caveat to that, that I think probably I overlooked up until what you just said was in the kind of heavy growth moments of their business, they used freelancers and contractors heavy, especially in the early stages of trial um, to like, is one to like, is this the right person? But like, is this thing, is this role or activity something that's even going to work for us? Or, you know, uh, am, are we going to need this three months, you know, six months from now that it requires this being a full-time role? And I don't think I've asked myself that uh, enough on some of this. And also I will say there was a part of me that felt like maybe I'm not a good CEO if I'm not bringing people on to my team full time. Like, I don't know where that came from. Like, Oh, I'm not building a team quote unquote that are like all about my team, you know, all about all agency um, and so because of that, I'm lesser of, of, a, of a CEO or, or, you know, not, I don't know, there's maybe seeking some sort of validation or feeling like there's some credibility that comes along with having a certain size team, which I think is obviously BS to some degree. I mean, I've met people that are doing 10 million that have like four people, four or five people doing fundamentally the exact same model that I have. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. Like, so it doesn't have to be one way. And then maybe there are seasons also, which I think is kind of something that you alluded to earlier. But I don't know, did you feel did you feel like that ever played into it? Like I, you kind of maybe touched on a little bit just that you 
were less than if you didn't do it a certain way? I think so. Yeah. I think that, that rings true. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want, I mean, even now, like I'm, 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 I'm low key bragging when I say we have 20 people, like it's on my LinkedIn profile, <laughs> you know, it's on like your LinkedIn it's, profile. Yeah. Cause it's part of my story. Right. Um, on my LinkedIn profile, I talk about my, the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. I went from just me to multiple seven figures for the team of 20. That's, that's the goal of a lot of the people that I serve. So I, I need to communicate that I've been down that path, right? And yeah, yeah. I've been where they are. Um, but yeah, if we're being honest, there's some hubris in that, right? Look at my team. Mm-hmm. Look at yeah, what yeah. I grew. Look at all the people that have aligned themselves with me. Mm. But, you know... And to be fair, like, is a full-time employment arrangement the only way to demonstrate that commitment? I, you know, I don't think so. No. I think there's a couple of other interesting angles here, too, that came to mind as you were speaking. I think when you hire somebody full-time, you, you almost take responsibility for their learning and development. Not almost. I think you do take responsibility for their learning and development. Like, they're now going to work full-time, 40 hours a week with you. And, you know, and sure, there's an amount of ownership that the employee needs to take. Sure. There's also an amount of ownership that the employer needs to take in grooming their employee. And um, that's a that's a responsibility. That's a burden that unless you're prepared to actually deliver on it, I would pause and reflect and see if that's the right choice. Whereas what I found mm. working with contractors, that's not my job. If I hire you on a contract basis to particular, to execute on a particular function tactically and you're spending whatever, it doesn't matter what the hours are, right? Mm -hmm. It's not my job to make sure you're good at what you do. That's your job. And in fact, you're going to get, you know, typically we find a, a higher caliber of talent because they're learning from other clients they're working with, Mm -hmm. right? They're doing the same thing for three, four or five other clients. And this has happened to you as well. I mean, how often have we taken the learning from those other client experiences and applied it to our situation, which is great. We benefit from that. But if they're your full-time employee and all they see is your business, the learning stagnates. You've got to find ways to get them out of that stagnation. That's your responsibility. Yeah. I like that. So, I mean, for the listeners that are have maybe been thinking about growing team um like to kind of like tie a bow on this like i feel like we need to kind of share some insights on like how would you think about making some of these hires uh, making maybe the next hire um what what would you consider when it comes to does this person need to be maybe full-time and on payroll or not well, the first thing I would do is I would start everybody on a contract basis mm. to the extent that you Agreed. can. It's not always practical or feasible, but to the extent that you can start everybody on a part-time contract basis. And even if you intend on that leading up to a permanent full-time role, it's a good place to start and test the waters for everybody. See if we're comfortable. And I think what you'll find is a lot of times that works just fine and there's no need to ascend or expand the commitment to a full-time employment role. And the other interesting thing here is the, 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 the freelancer, right? The portfolio entrepreneur is a really common thing now. And if you're closed off to that talent because you insist on only hiring full time, 
I think you're missing out on a very significant talent pool that's only going to grow. Mm. I like that. Um, yeah, we start everybody as well on a trial. And I do think something specific that we didn't necessarily cover deeply in this episode, but I'll brush over is like when we hire, um, we have this document that um, I learned about from a guy by the name of Alex Tarfin. It's called the 4R document, roles, responsibilities, requirements, and results. Um, and it's like, what are the results that this person's role is supposed to uh, you know, produce? And so like we have that all written up before we go hire. And so one, it allows me to go interview these people and be like, well, hey, tell me about the time that you achieved said result that I know I need you to achieve in my business. So it allows me to like find people that actually have done the thing that I want. But then secondarily, we can say, hey, look, here are the results for the first 30 days, for the first 60 days, and for the first 90 days that we would expect you to be able to hit um, that we're going to use as kind of a barometer for should this thing continue on beyond 90 days. Um, and we, I think we usually uh, will collaborate with the person on finalizing what those are, to be fair, um, so they, they have buy-in on what those targets are for that, that trial. Um, and then that gives you a talking point for like, hey, is this thing still working? Is this right for us? Is this moving in the, in the right direction? Because I, I can say I'm probably very guilty of getting too lax on that um, and just to your point earlier, that's another, maybe another episode is like, maybe like I just give them too much leeway and I look at it as, Hey, like they've been really loyal, but like, are they still actually performing? Um, is, is a different thing. So I agree with the trial thing. One thing that is ruthless, but I have started thinking about, this is very fresh. Like I've only uh, just started thinking about this, but I met with a guy who's in my mastermind who's baller, um, has like a really big life coaching business. And he says he sits down literally every 30 days, or actually really every time he goes, he meets with his direct reports um, once a month. Uh, and so he basically sits down and he's like, right before I sit down with that person, I always ask myself, Knowing what I know now, would I hire them again? And he asks that every 30 days. And he uses that as, and he's like, if I say no, he's like, we have a conversation and like, I move on it. And I was like, dang, like every 30 days, he's fundamentally reviewing every single key team member as to if they should be there or not. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I think that's like a, an, maybe an interesting exercise to mentally go through, at least for me. Um, we're small, but I mean, you probably wouldn't get to a size like that if you weren't like only having the right people on, on the, on, on the ship, but a good, a good it's, question. It's to ask, would you hire them again? Yeah, it's intense, but I get it. Yeah. My, my only like kind of final caveat to this conversation is if you're going to build a team of contractors, you are creating management burden for sure. What? Yes. You, you're creating that burden and there's, and we're, and we're like in the, in the thick of kind of navigating this right now, but you, you will need to, at some point invest in good kind of mid-level operational management people mm -hmm. um, who could even theoretically be part-time contractors, but at a certain point we'll need to be full-time and that, that's kind of where we're at right now. So we're looking to round out the middle with, and again, 
reserve the right to change my opinion on this, but the current yeah. thinking is get all these contractors. Let's get that one key person right in the middle, right? That's able to manage all these people and report up to leadership. And that's our thinking at this stage. Yeah. And to add to that is something I'm thinking about too, which this could also be a separate topic is when at least the, the, the fractional people that we have, um, I find the more that we create systems and process around the thing that is being done that those people are a part of, the clearer I get on exactly what I need that person to be capable of doing. Um, and what I'm noticing is, like as an example, um, like we have, I created this thing I call the content engine. It's my monthly process for planning out a month's worth of content in like a half a day and how we structure and put, put together all the topic that once I come up with a few things, it kind of gets handed off. Um, but like to be able to say, hey, look, any copywriter, once I hand them this thing, could do this job. And they can probably learn it really quickly. And so or this video editor could now take over and be, replace the other video editor if I need to um, because it the process is so dialed. And what I feel like that has helped us do internally, and I'd argue that this actually makes your company more valuable too, is like it's less about any one person than it is about the process. And so like I can go find these different people that I can plug into this process. And as it gets more and more processed and systematized, it actually takes less and less time for each person that's a part of the system to do what's necessary to achieve that output. So it almost is like, wow, I have, maybe you have a full-time person and this now this process is so dialed and you're like, but it only takes them 10 hours a week now and I'm paying them for 40, what, uh, what am I doing with these people? Like I could see that we could be on that path as well in some situations and it's interesting to consider. So the, the complexity piece that you talk about, I think is offset by you, the listener myself, also putting the right processes and systems in place to make this thing more re repeatable so it's less dependent upon any one person which then I think sways it back towards maybe more simple and more scalable. Uh, but obviously it takes time to, to get, to get that as well. So the more you can systemize, systemize, I think the more efficient all of you can be. I think it also depends on how much experience you have in that particular area. Totally. You know, like if, if you've got, if, if it's something you've been doing for a while and you can systematize it very easily. Great. I think there's also situations where, we don't really know what to do and we don't really know how to structure this. And we don't have a lot of domain knowledge or experience in this area. And so maybe we need to spend the money to hire somebody kind of expensive to do it and build it out for us so that we can ritualize it, it happens yes. all the time. Yep. We've done it with someone that's on your team. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. So hopefully this is helpful. I think um, definitely food for thought for me. Um, you know, as you guys are thinking about your next hires, um, you know, start with start with trials. You know, put your ego aside. You might not need to hire someone full time. It might actually 
you know, benefit you, might even save you a lawsuit, you know, who knows? So hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, if you've been enjoying the show and you haven't yet given us a rating and or review, please hop on over to uh, the Apple podcast app and give us a five-star rating and review. If you're enjoying it, we'd love to uh, get in more earbuds just like yours. And we will see you guys next time. 